going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and well, it's been a bit. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays. Hope all is well with everyone. Uh, we have not done a pod in in a, in a couple weeks, and uh, a lot of it has to do with me. Um, you know, holidays, Thanksgiving. I get it. I actually tried to tap on my co-host KMO and. and tee up the last couple of weeks, but, you know, given the holidays and Thanksgiving, uh, everyone's schedules, it, it didn't really work out, and I said, you know what, it's okay, we can um, uh, we can postpone it and do another pod, uh, the show must go on uh, eventually, but this week, I was supposed to do a pod on Tuesday, like how we always do, but uh, your boy has been sick the last couple of days, uh, yeah, so Thanksgiving came, uh, This not not this Thursday, but this past Thursday. That was cool. I went to a Friendsgiving on Saturday. And then, um, man, these kids. So Friendsgiving, a bunch of buddies. We were just conversing and having some adult beverages. But uh, one of their kids, uh, one of my homies, his daughter, was at the pl- place. Uh, and was super sick. And then my boy was like, yeah, my bad. Uh, I'm bringing my daughter who's super sick. And I was just like, Why? So lo and behold, you fast forward to this past Monday. Uh, Monday, I was not feeling too good. And so my voice and sore throat and everything else happened. And so I am recording this pod on Friday, Friday night, lit. And, you know, I have not done a pod or Just the West has not done a pod in a minute. And so a lot has happened in the in the NFC West. When you look at the state of the NFC West, you have the Niners at 8-3. and three. They're coming off uh, a pretty convincing win Thanksgiving uh, at Seattle, uh, a game which you had the Niners eating some turkey post game at Seattle, uh, a feat that they've been slowly but surely waiting for because uh, the Seahawks did that same exact thing nine years ago. Yes, nine years ago at Levi Stadium where the Seahawks pummeled the Niners and you had Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson eating turkey at Levi's. So you fast forward to a convincing win by the Niners. At Seattle, so you had Bosa, Debo, Warner, and, and, and Kittle. All of them returning the favor and eating that motherfucking turkey. So the Niners are 8-3. Eight, eight the Seahawks mentioned that loss, but the Seahawks are now in a three-game losing streak because the previous week they lost to the Rams when they, um, they missed what would have been the game-winning field goal, and then they lose to the Niners, and then... You know, it's Friday right now. They played Thursday night football. So coming off that Niners loss at Seattle, they played on the road at Dallas last night. And that was a rough one because for all intents and purposes, it was kind of a must-win game um, because with that loss, now they are on a three-game skid. And it was a game that they they had every chance. Um, You know, I think there were some crazy stats saying, this is the first time in a long time where a team like the Seahawks they put up third. Let me let me double check. They put up thirty five points, no punts, and they still lost because they lost thirty five to forty one to a Cowboys team, which was um, you know they they got off to a slow start early. Shout out to DK Metcalf. Shout out to Geno Smith for three touchdowns. 350 yards like this offense by, by the Seahawks was, was doing really really well but 
unfortunately, um, first time in a long time, a team that scores 35 and doesn't punt loses to an opposing team because for this Cowboys team to come back, I think they were down... Uh, I think they were down about a touch, seven, eight points uh, going into the fourth quarter. But the Cowboys, they they respond. And then despite all that, the Seahawks had a uh, chance, a two-minute drill to come back for a game-winning touchdown. And, you know, they, they've done that before, whether it's against the Lions or the Browns. Like, they've, they've gotten by. Uh, but they've also been burned on really close games like the Rams game, you know, the missed field goal. Or losing to the the Bengals, like it goes two ways with, with these with these really really tight games, right? So Geno Smith, they ended the first half with a great two minute drill. So I was like, okay, two minutes going into the fourth, they can do that same sort of magic, but could not get it done. Their offense looked out of sync in that final drive, and it was really capped off by a fourth and two play where. Zach Charbonnet was out. I think he was out with an injury during the game. Ken Walker, the third, he was already out going into this game. And, you know, they were left with DJ Dallas, their third round, no, not their third round, their, their third down running back. And just there was a play that was a screen that was designed where they allowed Cowboys pass rusher Micah Parsons to... Go pretty much unscathed, no blocks, and, you know, the play was to throw over Micah Parsons to DJ Dallas for a halfback screen, but, you know, just the idea of Micah Parsons schematically going unblocked is not the brightest or it's not the most sound play call, so what had happened was Parsons just blew up the whole screen. He got into Geno's face, and they, they just couldn't get the play off, and it was turnover and downs, and... The Seahawks lost, so 35-41, and that's why the Seahawks uh, over the last three weeks with both the Rams, the Niners, and now the Cowboys, they've lost three in a row, and um, I'm not saying it's over for them because it certainly is not over for for the Seahawks, but uh, it's not looking good. It's not looking good when you consider that the Seahawks are going to be playing at San Francisco the following week on December 10th, so that's that's pretty grueling, but... Um, that's uh, that's how the cookie crumbles. Rams five and six. They're uh, you know they they've been fighting. They beat the uh, the Seahawks as I mentioned two weeks ago, and then they uh, come back and they uh, absolutely murder the other NFC West team, which is the Cardinals. Um, yeah, they absolutely murdered the Cardinals. Uh, I think it was like what thirty one to eight. It was. It was pretty convincing, and shout out to Kyrion. Ky- Did I say Kyron? No, not Kyrion. Kyron Williams, who was on IR, they lifted him off the IR designation, and in his first game back, I mean, he was the number one fantasy football producer for Week Twelve. It was uh, it was insane. He had like three touchdowns, one hundred and fifty rushing yards, eighty yards receiving, like something pretty ridiculous. Where it's just amazing how one guy can really just bring this joy of just a respectable offense because Stafford was healthy, the run game was working, the play-to-run play calling was a lot more balanced. And, uh, you know, I think they uh, they sacked Kyler Murray five times, which is awesome. So they did this on the road at Arizona, and uh, 
a very... I mean, I know it's just the Cardinals, but this is probably the Rams' best game of the season. And it's a game where hopefully they can take that same energy because they're 5-6. and six, And now they're going to be playing the Browns. Uh, a Browns team that is still fighting for postseason contention in the AFC North. And a team that has a stellar defense, but uh, a very questionable quarterback situation. With Joe Flacco now slated to be the starting quarterback for the Browns. And we, we can talk about that a little bit more. Uh, last but not least, those Cardinals, they're 2-10. and 10, But they're a 2-10 and 10 team with some optimism in the sense that they now have Kyler Murray back. He's been playing the last two weeks as the now anointed starter for the Cardinals. And you see glimpses of, of this offense and Kyler Murray and you know what he can do, whether it's for 2023 or 2024 and beyond as the quote-unquote franchise quarterback. Um, but, you know, they, they got their asses handed at home against the Rams. And they have, um, well, we, we know they're rebuilding. Um, we know that they have their work cut ahead of them. But they have a very interesting matchup for Week 13 when they go to Pittsburgh. Yep, Pittsburgh. So they are going to be playing Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, which is rough because the Steelers, for all intents and purposes, same thing with the AFC North. It's wide open. And this is a Steelers team. I, I believe the last seven games they have not allowed – the opposing offense to score over 21 points, which is insane because their defense is flying. And more importantly, ever since they fired their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, in their first game post-Matt Canada, uh, they had their best offensive output as a a team. I I think you had Kenny Pickett, they had like over... 400 yards of total offense. Um, Jalen Warren, Najee Harris... They ran for over 150 rushing yards. I think passing was 250, over 250. So, yeah, that makes 400 yards of total offense. And so you're getting a Steelers team that is hitting at the right time. So the Cardinals got their work cut ahead of them for sure. But I digress. Let's go ahead and break up the matchups and talk about Week 13 in the NFC West. Okay. Okay. So... First game in the NFC West for Week 13 as we round up into the final stretch, the final quarter of the NFL season. 10 a.m. game, Pacific Standard Time. The Cardinals are going at Pittsburgh. And rightfully so, the Steelers are favored by 6.5. A A slight under on the um, over-under at 41.5. And And as I mentioned before, the Steelers are coming off probably their best offensive game uh, the previous week. And so, yeah, uh, you have a Cardinals team where they've, you know, obviously it's been a mixed bag with Kyler Murray because the previous week they won with with him in his return when he debuted against the Falcons. Then he loses a tight one the following week against the Texans. A good good game, by the way, uh, dueling with C.J. Stroud. But then they get completely, like, just handled um, at home against the Rams. And so they go against the Steelers who are... um, well, I'll just say it. They're they're just they're just killing it right now, and so I I've looked. And it seems like the Steelers have a fair firm grasp uh, on on many uh, I I guess the pundits experts that are picking the game, and you know I um, 
I can't say anything really bad about the Steelers team. I mean, obviously, Kenny Pickett has his share of shortcomings as a quarterback, but uh, it's not like the Cardinals are going to be that much better to um, to take them by surprise. So I, I think for Kyler Murray and, and this offense, they're going to have their hands tied against, you know, the TJ Watts of the world, this pass rush. Even the secondary is playing at a pretty good level. So I, I think that they're going to need a lot more from Kyler Murray. I mean, already he, he does so much for this offense, but uh, they're going to need some more. And you've seen uh, a couple of good things from Greg Dortch, um, Hollywood Brown. I know Michael Wilson has been injured uh, on and off the last couple of weeks, but uh, this offense, this passing offense, needs to they need to show up um, because other than that, uh, it's going to be it's going to be very tough on the trenches for for James Conner and this running offense, especially when they're going to be at Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. So it's not going to look too pretty unless they, they get this offense rolling. And then uh, on the flip side, um, for this Cardinals defense, their their run game was... Uh, this run defense has not been particularly great, but their defense against tight ends, uh, they allowed, like, what, two touchdown receptions to Tyler Higby the previous week uh, against the Rams. And so Tyler Higby hasn't done shit all, all year, and then he, he had one hell of a game against the Cardinals, and so the Steelers, they have, well, they have another good tight end in their own right in, in Pat Fryermuth. Uh, it, it took me a bit to actually double-check how to pronounce his last name. Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth is the uh, Steelers' star tight end. He just came off of IR, and he's coming off his best game of the season, too. I think he had 120 receiving yards and... 11 targets. Oh, shoot. He got 11 targets last week. Okay, so he had nine catches off 11 targets for 120 receiving yards. No no touchdowns, but uh, yeah, they're going to pass it to him. And they also have their slew of receivers in George Pickens, Deontay Johnson. Like, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that was holding back the Steelers offense has been maybe whether it's Kenny Pickett, the quarterback, or Matt Canada, the former offensive coordinator, but they've always looked good on paper, and now they're finally starting to get the wheels churning. And, you know, for them to have success the previous week and now play the Cardinals, that does not bode well for the Cardinals. So put, putting this all together, I mean, uh, I'd say that for this Cardinals team, I can understand why they're, they're heavy underdogs at home. Um they could surprise, but I'm I'm not really here for it to to speculate and go with my gut check prediction. So let's just say that the Steelers win convincingly. Let me get uh, 24, 24 to 13. 24 to 13. I, I think Kyler Murray will have some wiggle, but uh, I think that the chips are convincingly stacked against them. But I mean, the, you know, the spread six and a half. It's not like it's, they're like double digit underdogs, but um, it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be a rough game. If the Cardinals can do it though, at two and ten to su- surprise against the seven and four Steelers, like it could happen, but I'm not counting on it. Okay, so onwards you have. Okay, so the Seahawks lost to the Cowboys. You have the Cardinals playing the Steelers. Uh, One twenty-five game. You have the Browns at LA. So the Rams are hosting, and it's interesting too because the the Browns like they have a stellar 
stellar defense. They have a 7-4 record. Coming off a pretty embarrassing loss to the Broncos the previous week. And then you have the Rams there at 5-6. and six. So if the Rams can pull this victory off, which they certainly can, because the Rams are favored by 4 over under 40 and a half, they would go back into the uh, 500 record at 6-6 six and six and be right there in contention for a wild card spot in the NFC. I don't think that they're necessarily going to win the West against the Niners right now, who are currently 8-3, and three, but... You know, um, between the Rams and the Seahawks, I thought going into the season that the Seahawks had a much higher chance of getting a postseason berth. And as of right now, they're on a three-game losing streak, and then the Rams are starting to play better, better football with Kyron Williams, Stafford healthy. And this defense, while they're not a dominant defense, you know, they've been making uh, enough plays. They've been making enough plays, and they're getting a Browns team that is... Well, in battle, they had Deshaun Watson. He's on IR. He's out for the season with season-ending shoulder surgery. They had their, he's a rookie, UCLA, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a.k.a. DTR. And um, he left last week with a concussion. So it's looking more, and and P.J. Walker is also hurt too. So it's looking more and more like Joe Flacco. Yes, that's Joe Flacco. Uh, the Joe Flacco of the Ravens, the Jets, uh, the Joe Flacco that beat the Niners in the Super Bowl all, all the while back. But that Joe Flacco is back, and he's on the roster, and it looks like he's going to be making his start for the Browns on Sunday. And maybe that's why the Browns are four-point underdogs, because you don't know where you're going to get a Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco... Has never been a stealthy mobile quarterback in comparison to like Deshaun Watson or DTR or PJ Walker. So this offense is going to become it's going to be entirely predicated on the run, which uh, for the Rams, uh, well, not for their benefit. It's not good for the Rams because the Rams defense against the run has not been good. But uh, I think they allowed like five point something yards uh, against the Cardinals. James Conner. So for Jerome Ford with the Browns, he's going to have to be that workhorse back for this Browns offense. Joe Flacco, he can certainly make the throws, but considering how rusty he is, considering how old he is, I wouldn't necessarily be counting on Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper to really elevate this offense. Uh, It's going to be the run game. It's going to be the trenches. The Browns are going to have to beat the Rams in a old school fashion, meaning that limit their turnovers, control the clock, run the football, and rely on their defense to, to make plays. And this defense right now, they are a top three unit, like both against the pass, against the run. So the key to this game is going to be Stafford and this offense. You know, they're they're coming off a great win against the Cardinals, and I mean they're just the Cardinals, so I I, I can't take too much into consideration but you know this Rams team their offensive line has been up and down but they finally have a decent run game hopefully moving forward with Kyron Williams and so whether it's Kyron Williams out in the backfield making screens you know getting getting stuff in space but having him in the backfield helps out tremendously and we'll set up Safford for play action and to do what he does best, which is carve up a secondary. 
Now, this Brown secondary is certainly talented. They have the playmakers on all facets of, of this defense, but between Cooper Cup, who left the game briefly last week, but he's expected to play, and Puka Nakua, um, you know, they have enough firepower. But the biggest thing for, for them is, you know, can they control the trenches in the sense of they need a respectable run game as well? Probably not as important as the Browns run offense because obviously the Browns need to run the football because they don't have as much. But if the Rams can have a respectable run game that will set up Stafford for play action and more importantly, it sets up Stafford to go away from getting hit by these Browns defenders because this Browns front seven is nasty. They are nasty and you don't want to get your old, I won't say old, old, but you know, your old embattled franchise quarterback, um, to be on the ground for, for too long, um, you want him clean in the pocket and making throws to Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and some Tyler Higby. All in all, um, you know, if, if you were to tell me a couple weeks ago how this matchup would go, I'd say it's completely like on the Browns to shit on the Rams. But the joke's on you. The Rams will probably get this done because of the good fortune of Joe Flacco. So go ahead and give me... The Rams, uh, let's do 20, 20 to 10. 20 to 10, an under game. 20 to 10 Rams. It's going to be an uglier game, but they find a way to get it done at home and return to 500 at 6 and 6. Okay, last but not least, let's talk about the game that I've been marking up this week as I recover from my illness. Uh, it's one of those things that the light at the end of the tunnel. It's a game that should be primetime, but it's not because CBS won't relinquish it. But you have the Niners at Philly, the Niners at Eagles. And strangely enough, this is an Eagles team that is coming off just an emphatic, emphatic overtime win at Philly against the Bills. Um, a game that was, I mean, the Eagles are 10-1. They are 10-1. They have the best record in the league. And they just find ways to win. Uh, that was a game where I thought the Bills had a chance to win because they, um, well, they missed two field goals and they had a go-ahead touchdown in overtime, which was missed. So the Eagles once again find a way to win thanks to a very, very impressive run by Jalen Hurts, including a quarterback draw for the go-ahead touchdown. But this Eagles team has also tired... Um, the Niners are coming off of 10 days rest, having played the Seahawks in Thanksgiving on Thursday. And this Eagles defense played 92 snaps uh, against the Bills. So this Eagles defense has been on the field way longer. Um, definitely don't have the same rest time as the Niners defenders. And so they're going on a shorter week in that sense. But um, it's go time, baby. Both for the Niners and the Eagles, it's personal. Because as you guys already know... The Niners had played the Eagles in the NFC Championship game last year, and due to some unforeseen circumstances, which is Brock Purdy's UCL, his elbow got hurt, and they lost like what thirty-one to seven, thirty-one to ten. The game was over before it even started, and so ever since then, whether it's been Debo Samuel or the Eagles players, Hassan Reddick, like they've been going back and forth. Argument for the Niners is if they had a healthy Brock Purdy. They would have won the game, and they would have won the NFC Championship, which equates to a Super Bowl berth. But that did not happen. 
the Eagles won, but the Eagles will lose to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Fast forward now, the Niners finally have a chance to right their wrongs, put their ghosts away, and go back to the same field, Lincoln Field, for Brock Purdy to essentially have his second go-around and make a statement that last year was a fluke, that they are the better team, and that they should have been in the Super Bowl last year. Wow, that's a lot to unpack. So the Niners are favored by three. On the road against the Eagles, and this is really weird to have an Eagles team that is 10-1 to play a Niners team that is 8-3, but to be three-point underdogs at home, three-point home dogs for a 10-1 team. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, I've been saying intents and purposes all all podcast long, but just a 10-1 team at Philly just uh, seems kind of like a trap. I I don't know. I don't know. Um, I was quite surprised when the, the line opened with the Niners favored by, I think, a point and a half. And then now it's ballooned up to Niners minus three. So extra spicy. But then at the same time, too, uh, they've said it time and time again, whether it's it's been me or other podcasts. But like Vegas or its players like to bet on the Niners. The Niners have been uh, a big moneymaker f- for people to, to, to bet in their favor. And so... Uh, maybe the line went in favor of the public because the public wants the Niners. And so, you know, to go from a point and a half to three only proves that uh, people like the Niners. So having said that, uh, you know, this Eagles team, they are, um, they're not as rested or, you know, the Niners have had some additional time to prepare. Uh, very similar to how, like, the Niners a couple weeks back, they were coming off a short week. They lost to the Vikings, and then they hosted the Bengals, where the Bengals had 10 days of rest, coming off a bye, and they were just actually not even 10 days. They had yeah, they had two weeks. Anyways, the Bengals were, were all rested, and there was a big black-and-white comparison between the Bengals' energy and the, the Niners' energy at Levi Stadium. So I'm not saying that the Eagles are going to come out flat-handed because we all know that they don't like each other and, you know, for the passion of the game and what this all means as a statement game to the NFC conference as a whole, I don't think that the Eagles are going to go to that level and and snooze and not show up for this game. But it does make you wonder, um, this Eagles run defense is a top five. I think they're number three. They're a top five run defense, but, you know, Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey... They are well-rested. They are healthy, which makes a big difference for this Niners team because a healthy Niners team, as you saw, is a um, is a dangerous team. So can this Eagles front seven contain the run game and obviously put the game in Purdy's hands because Purdy, all the stats show he, he's, he's a seller quarterback, you know, number one in a lot of things right now as a passer, but... If I'm in this Eagles defense, I, I want him to be passing. I do not want this Niners run game to get going because that will set up play action and that will go into the hands of what the Niners do best because when the Niners run the football 30-plus-something times, um, that usually means that they're they're coming away with this game because they protect their quarterback. Shout-out to Brock Purdy's elbow. Um, but they also set themselves up for their playmakers to be... Uh, be killers, yaks, yards after contact, 
on a lot of their flood and in routes on off of play action. So that's the big focus for this Eagles defense. It's their run defense. I think for their Niners defense, it's going to be everyone knows about the Bradley Lee shove, the, the tush push. How you know if you were to get to third and two, third and one, it's pretty much a shoe in for the first down for what the Eagles do when Jalen Hurts is behind center. So for this defense, um, the biggest solution to mitigate that is to make sure that it does not get to third and short. It has to be third and four, third and five, not third and two. It has to be third and relatively long because then after that, it's a non-factor. So that means you got to win first and second down uh, in order to have more opportune situations to rush the passer and not have the Eagles time and time again push the sticks on third and two, third and one with a brotherly shove, right? Easy, right? Right? So this should be really good of a test for the Snyder's defensive line because up until this point, I think that this is probably the best offensive line that they're going to face this season. Um, Outside of one of their guards on the Eagles, I think everyone else, whether it's Kelsey or Lane Johnson... Um, everyone on this offensive line has been a pro bowler or a pro bowl alternate. The only one is, is Jurgens. I think Casey Jurgens, um, the, one of the guards, but, but anywho, it's, it's a really good offensive line and this not defense, this defensive line. They've been so good off the bye with the acquisition of Chase Young, but this should be a big test. So you have former Eagles defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, you have Nick Bosa, you have Chris Young, you have all the stars aligned. So they need to do what they got to do. They need to contain, and they got to play discipline in their pass rushing lanes because if they get too cute or try to do a little bit of everything, um, they get in trouble. And that's where you're going to see, as you've seen in years past, but mobile quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson, that's when they – they feast on an overly aggressive Niners defensive line. So how they um, how they defend on first and second down will go a long way towards how they defend Jalen Hurts and this very, very dangerous Eagles offense. So all in all, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things I can go and divulge into detail about this matchup. But however it goes, it's going to be a NFC classic it should be the game of the year. Should be the game of the year. It should be the game of the year. A bit injuries, but uh, you know how do I, how do I see it going down? Um, on one hand, I think that Niners being well rested is a big factor. I also recognize that the Eagles at home, um, and I know that you can say that they're due for a loss because they've been getting away with losses, uh, from escaping losses time and time again, but. There's got to be something to measure just the amount of grit that the Eagles have had this entire season. I think that Fred Warner had said earlier in the year when they were on their three-game losing streak that, you know, they can win the blowout games when they're they're up 10 points or more and, and coasts, but this team will need to be defined on these gritty matchups, you know, against the Eagles, against the Browns, down a score, like when the chips aren't going to be in your favor on the road at a very aggressive Philadelphia crowd, which is probably going to be raining East Coast game. 
And so do I expect the Niners to blow out the Eagles? I mean, ideally that would be great because they're well rested, but you never know how things go. I mean, especially in the rain uh, against a very, very uh, just the Eagles are a gritty team. They're just the definition of grit. So um, all in all, I think the Niners can certainly do it. Uh, I don't think that they're going to win in typical Niner fashion, a.k.a up like 14 points or more and, and good for fantasy football. I think that it'll be a grinder. It's going to be a game. We can go either way, 27-24, 24-27. But, you know, what would be really cool is if the Niners are tied 24-all and Jake Moody, the kicker out of Michigan, kicks outdoors and wins it for them. So I'm going to call it that way. Give me the Niners 27 to 24 off a Jake Moody field goal for the win. And they make a statement. Uh, the Eagles, they finally lose. But it's not going to be over from there because I think, you know, fast forward, you might see the Niners and the Eagles play against each other anyways in the postseason. But it'll set it up for a very, very fun rematch later on this year if and when that happens. Okay, so once again, thank you so much for checking out the pod, whether it is on Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon or Google or whatever platform you listen to the pod. Much appreciated, much obliged. Also, Just the West uh, on Twitter, at Just the West, Instagram, at Just the West, and of course, the blog, www.justthewest.com. Until next time, we out here. Have a good one. Peace.